This is a Canicuro podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp license news directly from the data vault. Welcome to the podcast, powered by Cannabis Media. I'm your host, Ed Keating, and today we're joined by Scott Campbell, CEO of Meter Group. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So uh, in doing research about uh, Meter, you know, it talks about delivering real-time high-res data that helps fuel production and processes for the food quality, environmental research, urban and ag sectors. That's a lot there. Could you unpack that for us and, and help us understand uh, more what, what Meter Group does and especially in the cannabis space? Sure. So um, Meter Group is a company that was started uh, 40 years ago by my dad, who is a uh, was a university professor at Washington State and had an idea for a sensor to measure something called uh, water potential, because uh, he was a soil physics professor. And basically, that is the history of the business for the last, I would say, 35 years is as a test and measure business. So we make wow. sensors that go into areas like uh, you mentioned food processing. So uh, we make a sensor that measures something called water activity that tells you whether or not a product is going to mold. And so we sell that to companies like Nestle, Unilever, General Mills. Um, and we also um, make sensors that are sold to, to uh, researchers for measuring the natural environment. And that's really how we got into the cannabis business was we make a sensor called the Teros 12 that is the most accurate sensor at determining the water content and electrical conductivity of growth substrate that cannabis plants might be grown in, specifically media like stonewall and cocoa. And so as a result, um, we take that data now and we developed a software and a cloud computing expertise that allows customers to increase their uh, productivity and quality throughout that whole process, mm -hmm. whether it's on the cultivation side or on the post-harvest processing side. And so it was really the, the our, our heritage in that um, test and measure space combined with the software and cloud computing capability that made it possible for us to address this um, big question that is in the cannabis industry, which is, how do I consistently and uh, with highest quality increase my grams per square foot per year of product that I'm making? Right, right. Wow, that that that's great, and what a, what a cool history. I mean, in fact, you guys have been around so long. I, I think as I've gone to trade shows and you talk to people, how long you've been in the business? Three years, four years, five years. Uh, never have I heard forty years. So yeah. uh, so so that, that that's really very very cool. Now uh, you sort of touched on this in terms of the value chain. You know, this is obviously something that's you know sold. I'm assuming primarily at the cultivation level because it's down in the substrate, and and that's really where the you know, you're, you're going to find those kind of people. So that that measurement of water and, and other things, does that ever make its way into, um, you know, other parts of, of the complex growing process or even the pr processing process where people have to know? Yeah. So, so is it sort of throughout? I mean, probably not at the store level, but at the other parts of the value chain? Yeah. So um, we don't do really anything on, on the retail side. Um, uh, and our sensors and analytics probably aren't that useful there, but right. Um, but it speaks a little bit to our history because when we started out, 
with the Arroya product. And Arroya, you might hear the, the name. Um, that What we call our business unit that makes this product um, uh, for cannabis, we call it Arroya. So <clears throat> it just makes it easy to, to reference that team and that product. And when we started out, it was just a product that helped growers. So these are directors of cultivation or VP of cultivation type um, folks see what was happening in the root zone and make better decisions. And that comes down to, to something that has become a buzzword in the industry, but um, has been overplayed a little bit called crop steering. So we started out saying, here's what you can do to increase the yield in on the cultivation side. Um, you know, you, you measure your temp RH uh, VPD um, light in the growth space, but you don't know what's going on in, in the um, substrate. So here's these sensors and here's the data to help you understand how to improve the feeding of water and nutrients to your plants. Okay, so that's how we started. So mm -hmm. that was your, when you um, referenced Ed, the, um, you know, the directors of cultivation type people, that's where we started. And so that's where, still where a lot of our customers are. And really, you know, that, that was the strength of the product and when we launched it. But as we've gone along, we added a couple of other pieces that are critical to the business. The first is post-harvest processing. And on that side, we're saying, just don't over-dry the product, okay? It's a very simple concept. Everybody should be precisely measuring and executing to um, what we call a water activity when they're drying the plants, because if you over-dry them, you've dried off weight that you could have sold and you've hurt the quality of your product, okay? Because the, if you overdry it, it, it hurts the terpene profile. It destroys terpenes to do that. So, <clears throat> so we added that piece to it. And then on top of those two pieces, which are cultivation and post-harvest processing, because we needed the data to be able to, um, to run analytics for productivity, we also happen to know all the plant inventories. And it just so happens that if you know this data, you can sync it to metric to make the regulatory side easier for those states, which uh, for those uh, cannabis producers who operate in metric states. So that's what the platform is today. Yep. But I think the, the um, crux of your question is who else in the organization would need this information or would it help? Well, and let me just talk about somebody like the CFO. Well, um, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I was thinking because, because it appears to be so metric rich. Right. You know, if I were the CFO or the CEO, I'd be sitting there, you know, with my calculator, my spreadsheet being like, okay, this, yeah. th this product here has really helped us improve our margin, et cetera. So yeah, tell us more about that. Well, um, it, it really comes down to, um, to a question, you know, as a CFO or a COO at a cannabis company, how do I tell if we're winning or we're losing? You know, come in every day. Are we winning or are we losing? Right. And the simplest metric that exists for that is grams per square foot per year. Um, because you can look at everything on the cost side. You can look at what's happening at retail. You can look at your wholesale prices. But if you're not consistently, and even, you know, we, we, don't, we don't preach perfection. We pre preach progress, okay? So if you don't have a system that is consistently measuring whether you are improving your productivity over time, you don't know if you're winning or you're losing. Right, and right, as right. a CFO, that's gonna drive the profitability of the business is are our grams per square foot per year increasing, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out. 
Um, so it can be a, a critical, you know, like a KPI for the organization. Yeah. Yep. Are we are we getting better on this or are we getting worse? So 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 when I see you at MJ Biz in a couple of weeks, is that going to be on your T-shirt? You guys have that grams per square foot per year. You know, talk yes. to me. <laughs> well, and so so I think so. First of all, yes. Um, although um, the uh, I think we would we'd have to have those T-shirts made. At, uh, we don't we don't have them in stock, but. Um, <laughs> And the reason why is a lot of people do talk about grams per square foot per year, but what are you going to do to actually influence that number? And what we're saying is, let's keep it simple. It's, it is um, properly feeding water and nutrients to your plants on the cultivation side, and then not over drying your plants on the post-harvest side. This is the thing that so many companies don't get right. And we know that they don't get it right because the majority of substrate in the cannabis industry does not have a substrate sensor in it. Okay, most rooms in the industry still do not have um, substrate sensors. So that's kind of where we started. And the platform as a whole is much larger than that today. But if you don't even have that step, then you're, you're missing out at a tremendous amount of value. Um, so, I mean, and just one more thing I'll say about that is the industry as a whole um, is focused on growth at this point. And so, you know, super high prices, 40% uh, year over year growth in retail sales. Okay, most of it is on like, how can we fill this demand? But the, the focus is going to shift in the future to productivity, which is how productively can we meet the demand and the producers that succeed um, and thrive in that atmosphere are the ones who can continuously improve the productivity of their of their operations. Excellent. So a couple of questions. One, when you mentioned, well, the whole compliance thing, uh, it made me think about what about hemp? Because mm -hmm. hemp, I think, has some real issues where depending how it's dried, cured, et cetera, you could suddenly have hot hemp, which means you're in trouble or could be in trouble or, or it's a crop you have to get rid of. So I wanted to ask, is, is hemp a, a component of your marketplace and who you sell to, or is it still mostly, you know, cannabis uh, traditional? Yeah. Um, so most of our customers are in indoor greenhouse growing cannabis space. Oh, okay, yeah. However, um, just one month ago, we launched an outdoor version of our product which we're really excited about, which is a great fit for um, hemp and outdoor grown cannabis. And as you mentioned, the, getting a hot crop in hemp is, is a big uh, potential problem. Yeah. I mean, one really basic question um, is, um, was the, the hemp crop over dried? Because if it was over dried, it's possible that um, the percentage by weight of of THC in, in the crop is, is too high. Yeah. So, you know, it's a really simple uh, it, it gets back to this thing of like, don't overdry your product, which is part of what our platform does. Um, the other thing is that for hemp on the productivity side, if you are trying to harvest hemp and then extract the CBD out of it for, um, you know, in order to, um, you know, because that's your business, that process is, um, is driven by how productive you've been able to be on the cultivation side. And it comes down to being able to stress the crop, um, lightly water stress the crop or, or um, uh, uh, stress it with, with nutrients at the correct time to increase uh, the number of buds on a plant to be able to bulk on them later in the flower process. So the same principles apply. It's just that um, 
we actually use a different sensor for that. Indoors, it's a um, EC sensor because we're measuring something called core water EC. And outdoors, it's something called water potential because the product's being grown in natural soils. But that's the only difference. The same, um, the same concepts still apply of putting water stress on the crop at the right time to um, increase the total yield, which works just as well for hemp and CBD as it does for THC outdoors as it does for THC indoors. Uh, that's great to hear. And, and sort of looking back on what the hemp industry has gone through these last couple of years with oversupply and things you know drying out in, 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 in barns for a couple of years from 2018. I mean, they could sort of use all the help they get. But that does lead me to my question about, you know, sort of what is your customer like and who is your customer? So you mentioned director of cultivation. That makes sense. Um, but, you know, is this, are these metrics so sophisticated that you're really, you know, selling mostly to like big MSOs and giant SSOs, or is this something that uh, customers or farmers at, at, at a variety of levels of complexity can benefit from? Yeah, um, that, that is a great question. And I think um, our experience so far has just been that, um, that it has been the small to medium-sized grows that are taking up technology the fastest and have oh. the ability to move the, the quickest. So we do have um, wonderful um, MSO customers, but most of the MSOs are still focused on that volume question are focused on growth and footprint and, and you know, getting um, space through distribution. Right. You know, they're not focused on operational efficiency at this point. Um, so we actually find that we have a lot more success with medium size and small growers than, than we do with large accounts because, um, uh, with the, with the MSO accounts, because the MSOs haven't really woken up to the, to how critical maximizing cultivation efficiency and post-harvest processing efficiency is. And they also take a lot longer to move. They're like large, you know, large ships that, um, you know, that turn very slowly and, I know we're still talking about a nascent industry and, you know, that, that growth is happening kind of be before our eyes. And we might look back in 10 years and see the MSOs of today, which we see as big as, you know, maybe relatively small, but within the industry, they're still relatively large. If we talk about somebody who has, you know, four or five states and 20 cultivation facilities, it's much harder for them to make a commitment than it is for uh, somebody out there that has a 10 or 20,000 square foot grow um, and a single facility to make that commitment and to, to change what they're doing to access this extra productivity that I've been talking about. Yeah, sort of uh, uh, tanker ships versus speedboats, uh, sort of what came yep. into my head as you were describing that. So I know uh, that, that that's very helpful and it does kind of make sense where, you know, from what we've seen and looking at the data too, uh, where are these big MSOs putting their efforts into a lot of M&A? And, and, yep. and you're not gonna get to those operational efficiencies for years and, you know, if ever in, in, in some ways, I think. So that, 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 that definitely makes um, a, a lot of sense. So uh, a, a challenge, no doubt. But I also think that as the industry matures, these type of ROI metrics are going to be really important. I mean, as you described it before with the grams per uh, square foot per year, it's that one universal metric that is longitudinal. It's a little bit like a net promoter score in a business like ours and software. How are we doing? And we can measure it over time. It's one question we're pretty much asking and you track those answers over time and it, it gets to the root of, 
are we winning or are we losing? How are we, you know, how are we keeping scores? You said, so that's, yep. uh, that, that's, that, that's, you know, great to hear. And it'll be interesting if we do get to a situation where cannabis can start crossing state lines yep. and people are going to start building giant facilities and right. then the, 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 the pennies, nickels, dimes, whatever that, that can be extracted really start to matter even more. So, uh, so it seems like, you know, obviously you guys are well positioned. Now, um, I was curious, you know, sort of have to ask, how does your team utilize the cannabis media platform? Like, where does it fit into your you know, marketing or, or sales team's uh, efforts? Yeah, um, I mean, it's been great for us so far, because we have been looking for a place that aggregates information on people who are producing product and allows us to slice and dice that. Um, as we're looking for specific areas to target and to, to communicate with customers. And really, because of the state of the industry, we, we, didn't, we hadn't found before Cannabis Media a place that was, that was aggregating that well and in, 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 a, in a place that was actually actionable um, for us. So um, that's been a huge help. And you know, just a, uh, an example of that, as we've launched the outdoor platform, now we can go in and search on something like that and say like, well, who does cannabis media know about that, that is in the, that are players in this area and specifically target them with a message that's tailored to somebody who deals with problems of growing outdoors versus indoors. So right, right, um, right. it's been for, for us, um, it's been a huge um, uh, boon and um, it, it was something that we were looking for for a while before we found it. Oh. Well, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad you found it. And, you know, as the data guy, it's always good to hear that, you know, you're finding things that uh, are, are helpful in there. We're, you know, constantly searching for, you know, new information. We just saw that, uh, well, this one may actually matter. Um, Washington, D.C. just released recently the list of applicants for a couple licenses that they had available. And I think one of them is for grow. So, um, you know, I don't know how many, but there's only like one license they're going to give out or two sure. and you know, sure. you know, hundred people applied for them, but, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. There's still a lot of interest there. And, uh, you know, we keep our eyes on that in Illinois and some of these other places that are trying to push things forward. So that takes me into sort of the, the looking forward part of the podcast of, you know, what's happening out in the industry and how does that uh, affect meter group and, and others. So, one question I always ask our guests is, you know, as new states come on board, does that have any, you know, implications for you? Um, you know, when is it right to get in there with, say, let's say a New Mexico or a New Jersey or looking, you know, way down New York, Connecticut? Mm -hmm. When does that matter to you? Yeah, um, I mean, the, the states, um, I mean, it's such an interesting market because really there aren't many markets that have developed in this way. I mean, one that I can think of might be, um, I don't know, like, let's say online used car marketplaces or something. I mean, you have to have a critical mass of, of demand and supply, but it, it's not really, you know, it's not really national. It's, it's mostly regional in nature. Um, and we see the states as falling into that category of of, okay, well, we have to have a one-off effort in those states to communicate with the um, licensees and um, to be able to target them based on who's applied for a license and who's actually um, getting up and going and producing. Um, we So the, the states for us, and I don't know if it's the same way for other people, they kind of make this market a little bit more manageable because we can see how it's expanding and growing. And there is, you know, it's a highly fragmented uh, marketplace because of that. And 
it it uh, um you know as opposed to uh, you know i can compare it to canada being a you know a nationwide legalization and looking at how the lps up there are uh trying to execute and you know in some cases some of those lps are so massive with millions and millions of square feet of growth space that it's it's not possible to really wrap your hands around it and say well where's you know where's the value being created and and um what right. problems are they trying to solve um so in I, I don't know, it, it, maybe I'm, uh, um, I, I think for us, the state by state approach has been helpful because it gives us a geographical area of focus for a certain amount of time. And we can say, well, where um, California is now, we expect New York to be there in three years because you know it took California way longer to get there, but all that knowledge from California is gonna migrate to New York a lot faster. Yeah. Um, so it helps us to conceptualize where the, the customers are, what they're what problems they're thinking about solving um because you know the new york producers the new york uh, legal producers are trying to solve um problems that in california the they don't necessarily think about anymore so so um I, that's kind of how we think of things in state by state um we don't we don't see it as a challenge it's it's kind of as a, as a relatively small business still trying to grow it's been i think somewhat helpful to us um, to have the market evolve in this way. Yeah, no, that makes sense because it allows you sort of from a strategy standpoint to go into markets with intent as opposed to trying to boil the ocean like, oh my goodness, where do we go next? Like right. Georgia just released six licenses, mm -hmm. six grows. I think two of them are 100,000, four, 50,000. Is it even worth it for you guys to go try and get that business? Maybe you already know some of those people, but versus in Oklahoma where there's, you know, a ridiculous number of growers. I think it's now over 10,000, but I think most are very small. Are they the nimble ones you talked about before? Or are they a couple guys growing it in their, you know, garage or barn or something like that? So sure. yeah, it, it does give you a chance to at least assess these markets as they come online and and, and see how it, uh, how it plays in. Now, before um, you, you talked a little bit about uh, the, the metric compliance angle and, and how that plays in. Is that ever a part of how you decide which states to go into or, you know, most states are metric now. There are, there are certainly some that are biotrack and Akrina, but um, does that matter as much? Like Connecticut doesn't have one. Yeah. It probably will, but is that just a small benefit to uh, to your customers to be like, oh, you, you can talk to metric. That's great. You know, that's another plus or something. Yeah. Um, I, you know, um my perspective on on metric is that um we spend a lot of time developing for that um end use in california and we do have some good customers who are getting a lot of value out of the platform i don't i mean i think it depends on how serious the state is with compliance and yeah. um i'm I know California just came out, you know, just consolidated all of their efforts into the, you know, the cannabis, um, yeah, the yeah, into, to the board there, and and so maybe they are getting more serious about about compliance. But um, you know, in most cases, we have found um, that metric compliance is still kind of a a um, this nuisance that people are willing are that are that they're kind of dealing with on the side and not really a fundamental concern of the business. And so I think, you know, if the states and I know Colorado is more serious about this, uh, we find high demands in states that that have 
uh, regulatory enforcement action around tra track and trace, yeah. then then we do in, you know, we find more demand for products like metric compliance in states like that. Um, so it's not just the metric states, like whether they use metric, if the, um, and, and I'm not saying that I think the regulatory action should be higher. I'm saying that, that the producer's perception of whether it's, uh, whether it's a, a critical business concern is driven by how, how strict the regulatory infrastructure is in their state. Yeah, and if yeah. that's not super high, if it's not top of mind for them, then, then for us, um, metric doesn't really help a lot. Um, you know, having, sure. having that, that, that yeah. interface yeah. doesn't, doesn't really help much. Um, so I think to answer your question, yes, it does. If, uh, if a state is a metric state, it does make it a little bit more attractive for us to go into. I can say that the vast majority of customers that we have are still just looking to our platform for increasing productivity. And if they can get some metric and metric interface out of it, that's a nice to have. Got it. Got it. Now, in terms of, you know, who you work with, it, it made me, you know, think of, you know, some of our customers who have sort of these integrated greenhouse management systems where they come in and, you know, they, they run, they construct, they build, they do a lot of this stuff. Do you work with those folks? Do they bring you in or, you know, how does that work? Or, or are you independent of them and sort of running on your own circulatory system, if you will? Yeah, it's more the latter. Um, <clears throat> and where that becomes more um, relevant for customers is, is the interface to control systems, things like irrigation control. Yeah. Um, but um, unlike countries like, you know, Holland, for example, or even some of the systems that made their way into Canada, the industry is so fragmented that most of the solutions that people use are pretty one-off. And, you know, for, for greenhouse or indoor, um, controls it's kind of treated like hvac like you know and which tends to be pretty regional and and um specific it's like a you know most of the companies we see there are are medium to small size system integrators yep. they're not companies like priva and hogendor and own the global um indoor growing market and you know put in million dollar systems in places just people are not big enough for those companies right now. So most of the solutions they're trying to implement, you know, I've seen Honeywell building management systems being used in, in, um, in cannabis grows. I've seen, you know, everything from, um, you know, a basic thermostat system through Trollmaster through, you know, uh, lots of these things are smaller, um, you know, not really enterprise tools. And so we don't have a big connection um, uh, with them. I think that's going to happen more as um, the industry grows and the average size of a grower increases. Um, but uh, the places where we, um, where we do find that, that it's helpful to collaborate is on something like an irrigation control system because we can set up um, the way the grower wants to grow in something we call a recipe. And then it can get executed through a control system. And, and uh, that is just barely starting you know, we, we do surveys of our customers, like which systems are you using for environmental controls and irrigation control? And it's just, you know, it's 20 or 30 different systems. There's okay. not a lot of consistency um, site to site. That makes sense. That does. I mean, we, we, we're in the end process of doing our point of 
sale software survey. It's hard to say. And uh, last year, I thought we'd hit the high watermark. I think we were at like 64 vendors and thinking, you know, it's crazy. We found even more this year, even though the top five vendors control about 60% of the market. So that leaves like, you know, 70 people fighting for the other scraps. So it's, it's definitely uh, uh, a crazy, crazy market. So, but, but um, speaking of the the market, you know, the last question I want to ask, I saw, I think it was last week that you acquired a company called Drying Technology and how do they fit into, you know, what you offer and, and, and what will this mean, you know, going forward for, for, for Meter Group? Yeah, um, what what drying technologies does is they model the drying process and make it more consistent and repeatable. And so our purchase of them uh, allows us to launch tools at customer sites that look at what's going on in your drying rooms. So let's say you have five different dry rooms and you have different, um, let's say that you have multiple harvests in these dry rooms. Let's say that you have 10 harvests in the, the five dry rooms they're all at different states of, of um, their progress toward being dry and ready for uh, mm-hmm. processing. And what we're able to do is to model that process and tell you in real time where each of those batches is so that you can predict the day that they're gonna be done and make sure that you don't over dry them. So um, it's really an operational kind of um, you know, uh, execution thing where we, try to provide those um, those insights to the post-harvest process team so that they know when the product is coming out and they can plan their staffing for then bucking and trimming uh, product post-harvest. Um, and um, they never have a situation where one of those batches is going to get overdried. That, that, that's the idea behind um, behind the acquisition of, uh, of drying technologies. It makes a lot of sense. I, I think back to past industry I was in that was really a lot of compliance uh, technology in the legal, financial, and other spaces. And we had a CEO speak and he had redone the whole company. And, and it, a lot of it boiled down to the simple question that they asked as they went out to their various marketplace. And they'd say, what were you doing the 10 minutes before you used my product and the 10 minutes after? And as they got smarter, they started to own a greater share of day. And it sounds like that's sort of what you're doing too, where you're understanding, you know, what happens to that plant as it moves through the process and, and how can you help those people with, you know, the great metrics and, and, and results. So uh, congratulations on the acquisition. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it sounds like uh, you're really in a great position, Scott, uh, with, uh, with Meter Group. Well, and Ed, let me just make one point about that because I really like that point. And um, people often ask me, who do we compete with? And there's plenty of competitors. You know, if you go out and look at, at um, people who might be measuring substrate or might have something they call, um, you know, cultivation management software or things like that. Mm-hmm. We, we classify ourselves as a cannabis production platform, which means we do the whole thing. But the, yeah, the yeah. thing that we compete with the most is whiteboards and Google Sheets. It's taped calendars on the doors of grow rooms. Called self. I used to work in an industry where we call that self. People would do it on their own. Right, right. And we see everybody using those systems. So we know that they're important. And and we don't mean to say that it's that those are that those paper-based tools or you know kind of lightweight based tools are a bad thing. They're actually hard to replace because they work quite well. Um, So we consider that to be the challenge we wake up every morning to address is how can we give people the tools that improve on those um, on those pieces that they have right now and and if we can um, replace whiteboards with uh, with task lists if we can replace 
you know, feeding schedules for nutrients with um, an automated process that, that lets the grower accomplish what he or she is trying to do, but does it automatically. That's, that's where we feel great about having delivered that product into a customer's hands. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So Scott, thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. Uh, this was a great discussion. Uh, I'm your host, Ed Keating. Stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault.